Hello, one and all, and welcome to the pilot episode of The Writer's Sheaf, a podcast where I, your host, David, will be talking about all manner of things fantastical, from video game lore to Dungeons & Dragons discussions to my current writing endeavors, as well as uh, writing tips and tricks. Uh, Eventually, if this podcast lasts through its infant years, its delicate years, uh, we might even uh, delve into the dangerous territory of movie and book reviews. But that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, so without further ado, uh, let's introduce the first topic. So like uh, like many other brave adventurers in the year of 2017, uh, I myself participated in NaNoWriMo. Uh, I did not finish, but I'm looking forward to finishing uh, the first draft of my own fantasy novel this year. Um, and, uh, and during my during my writing uh, experiences, uh, I I came into across the issue of, of trying to make uh, old ideas that I wanted to use sort of fresh and interesting. Uh, so I thought that for the first uh, couple episodes of this podcast, we could talk about uh, sort of tropes that are used in a lot of fantasy um, storytelling uh, that could use a bit of a refresher, but also like where they came from and a bit of history about them. So uh, that's what we'll be starting with. So. Uh, for today, the first episode, we will be talking about elves, um, a little bit of history about elves, what they are, what they're usually like, and how we can sort of spice that up a little bit. So, like any uh, rational thinking human, we will begin our discussion of elves with the Lord of the Rings. So if you're like me, if you're like any sensible person out there, uh, when someone says elf, you think about Legolas, you know, this sort of acrobatic badass with a bow who, uh, who, who gets things done, you know, um, but elves weren't always sort of these tall, graceful, elegant figures. Um, before Lord of the Rings, really, when, when you said elf, people thought of uh, little sprites, little pixies, sort of like Tinkerbell uh, from Peter Pan. Uh, but after Tolkien's novels, uh, that changed uh, immensely. Indeed, the entire fantasy genre changed uh, because of Tolkien, but the elves were sort of his creation, and, and since him, they sort of blossomed into many different things. But to start, uh, Tolkien's elves are magical. They are magical to the point of immortality. They do not die of age. Uh, they have very powerful connections to the natural world as well. Uh, and they're sort of these very tragic figures tied up in the history as well as the future of Middle-earth, which is the setting of the Lord of the Rings. Um, they, Although they call Middle-earth their home, every elf basically has the end goal of leaving Middle-earth. They want to travel west, back across the sea from where they came to the Undying Lands, which is basically the place where they can live out their full immortality amongst their, their, their ancestors and their kin. And basically they can live out their happy lives and pretend that they don't really, they're not really involved in the politics of Middle-earth. But the elves in Lord of the Rings are sort of these very tragic figures because they, because they're, they're so old and they live so long, they, they basically watch the world around them wither and, and grow old. And they watch all their friends that they've made, the humans that they've known, basically die because of, because they are cursed with their immortality. And so we get a little bit of that uh, in in, uh, in future renditions of the elves. Uh, but the other thing that's very interesting about elves that, that becomes more clear in, in other media is that they sort of adapt to where they live. Like, depending on where you go in Middle-earth, the elves are different. If you find the elves in Mark Markwood, they're more wild. This is where Legolas is from. They're sort of more wild and dangerous, whereas the elves in Rivendell are sort of homely and welcoming. So, so even from the get-go with, with Tolkien's elves, we get this idea that elves are adaptable, that they are mutable, they sort of go with the flow, they change based on their surroundings, whereas humans are sort of like, where, so they sort of shape their environment um, basically by destroying it. 
Uh, it's, it's not necessarily implied in Lord of the Rings, but that's sort of the sense you get. Humans build empires, elves sort of just adapt to their surroundings, and the natural world accommodates them because they're so magical and graceful, etc. Now, jump forward a few years, uh, and we have another big source of inspiration for uh, a lot of elves. Uh, we have Dungeons and Dragons. Everybody knows Dungeons and Dragons, at least a little bit. They've, they've all at least heard of it. Uh, and so Dungeons and Dragons originally, uh, which I might add is probably almost entirely based off of Lord of the Rings. Uh, there are a couple of changes, of course. Uh, but in the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, elves are considered demi-humans, literally less than humans. When you play an elf character in the first Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you actually can't get to the full level that humans can. You can only go about halfway, so your character will only ever be half as strong as a human is. Of course, they can do different things because they're elves, but you'll never be as strong as humans are. Uh, of course, in later editions of D&D, this changes, uh, and elves sort of get their own lore and, and histories associated with that game. Uh, but at their very start, they were they were always considered less, uh, which is sort of interesting considering how long they live. But again, we're not judging. Uh, so later on uh, in in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the, like the sort of mythology, uh, elves are sort of chaotic, but not necessarily evil beings. They're just sort of they just don't understand really like they don't really appreciate law the same way that other civilized races do. Um, then there's also a very broad distinction between the different types of elves. We talked about this a little bit with Tolkien. But in Dungeons and Dragons, this separation is more distinct. They are separate sub-races. So you have things like Wood Elves, High Elves, Sea Elves, Dark Elves, who all have sort of very different cultures and very different approaches to their ways of life. Their ways of life. Uh, they all sort of worship different things or people or entities or demons or whatever. Uh, and that, that fundamentally affects how they are. Uh, and so again, we get this idea of elves changing based on their environment, based on what they worship. Um, whereas sort of in Tolkien you get the sort of uniform elves, they all want to end up in the same place despite their differences. If we jump forward again another uh, few years, uh, we get uh, a game like The Elder Scrolls. Uh, lots of people know The Elder Scrolls, ex especially for its most recent installment, uh, Skyrim. Uh, but if you, if you sort of immerse yourself and take a, a deep dive into the lore like uh, I myself have, um, it's a deep hole, it's hard to get out of sometimes, uh, but... If, if you sort of look at the lore of the Elder Scrolls world, uh, the elves have a very rich history, and it's quite interesting. It's a much more exaggerated take on the idea of the adaptability of elves. So, elves originally come from a far-off land, a far-off island called Aldmeris. Uh, the elves are called the Aldmer at this point, and when they get to Tamriel, which is the main setting for all the Elder Scrolls games, they're sort of one, still one unified race, uh, and eventually they split depending on where they go. So one group sort of stays. Off to uh, off the main continent on an island called the Somerset Isles, well, a series of islands, uh, and they sort of stick to their roots and they retain their high culture, and these become the Altmer, the the High Elves. They're sort of isolationist, um, elitist. Uh, further inland, you have Valenwood, the province of Valenwood, sort of a thick jungle area. Here you have the Bosmer, the the Wood Elves. Basically, what happens with them is because of the dangers of the forest and and how how wild and untamed it is the Bosmer have a hard time uh, adapting to this life and end up basically being cursed with um, this shape-shifting disease that, that causes them to constantly be changing forms. And the only way that they save themselves from this is by aligning with a, a god of the forest who forces them to basically protect the forest and they can never harm any of the plant life in the forest, which causes them to become carnivorous, cannibals. Uh, it fundamentally affects their culture. Uh, to the far east, you have Morrowind, uh, where the Dark Elves, the Dunmer, live. Uh, here, the 
The Dark Elves are Daedra worshippers. The Daedra are basically, uh, not necessarily evil, but definitely not good, but they're gods, basically. Uh, so here you have the Dark Elves who worship these evil beings, similar to D&D. The Dark Elves in D&D also worship. They're not, not the best people. And so, again, this fundamentally changes the way that the Dark Elves view the world. Uh, and, and, in fact, even the uh, the orcs in uh, the uh, Elder Scrolls setting, the Orsimer, uh, were once also a type of elf. Uh, and so a lot of times you have the sort of, like, the monster races sort of similar to elves. Uh, I believe it or not, in Lord of the Rings, I think orcs were created sort of as an imitation or like a mockery to elves. So, so a lot of time you get that, that sort of cool relationship. But... Um, the, the idea of this, this split of the elves is very extreme in the Elder Scrolls, and I think that that's a, that's a great example of how different you can make the different types of elves uh, in, in whatever world it is you're, you're creating. So, uh, we've gone over a couple different examples of elves in a few different settings, so we're just going to list sort of the commonalities and the common links we found between elves in various mythologies of literature and games and such. So, one, elves are long-lived. Uh, sometimes this is to the point of immortality, uh, so they are they basically they view the world very differently because of their long age you know they might be alive for several spans of human generations they might see an empire rise and fall all within their lifetime and so this you have to think this is definitely going to alter the way that they view others the way they view the world around them it's sort of gone in an instant whereas they have to endure in some settings this is this sort of leads them to be very melancholy like in lord of the rings where they've sort of seen the world degrade they've seen what it could can be like and they have to basically deal with that. Uh, another common link between a lot, a lot of elves is that they are otherworldly. They they usually they come from somewhere else. That's that's an important thing about them. Um, in Lord of the Rings, again, we have them from this from they come from the the West, ambiguously called the West, basically. Uh, in the Elder Scrolls, they come from a different continent. In uh, things like D and D, they come from another another realm, basically the Feywild, which is like the the sort of untamed and wild mirror to reality. Uh, in a lot of cases, elves are graceful, they're agile, uh, they're good archers and things like that. Uh, and in a lot of cases, they're both influenced by the natural world, and sometimes they are able to influence it themselves. Uh, one example we didn't really talk about uh, is in the Aragon, uh, the Inheritance book series. The elves there, they all, they all live in one forest, and they basically sing and speak to the plants and the animals. And just by speaking to the plants, they can grow their homes out of trees, and they never need to hunt, they just eat plants because they just sing to the, the, the food and it grows for them. So because of their intimate connection to nature, they never need to hunt. Um, and the last thing is that elves are generally, like, they're alien, they're hard to read. Uh, in Lord of the Rings it said, you should never ask advice of an elf because they will answer both yes and no in, this, in a single answer. Uh, and so, of all things about elves, the most important thing is that they are... They're a different race. They're not just humans with a different sort of skin color, with different hair, with pointy ears. They are different. They are their own separate entity. All right, so now that we know a little bit more about elves, let's get to the, the meat of the matter of this podcast, which is uh, how you can take elves and sort of make them more interesting, make them fresh, change something about them that makes them sort of new and exciting. Um, and one way to do that is sort of to go back to the source material. Because a lot of the times when things are overdone, uh, it's not necessarily an exact replication of the source material. A lot of it's altered, and then people take what was altered, and then they reuse that. And so often when you go back to the, the source of something, when you go back to the beginning, you can actually find things that are that are fresh and exciting that haven't been uh, thought of for uh, a long time. So just taking one simple concept can actually, can actually get you pretty far uh, with things like this. So uh, what's something that is sort of overlooked in, in elves when you see them in modern... Uh, 
modern fantasy uh, media. Uh, well, one thing I thought of was sort of the spirituality of elves uh, is something that often gets overlooked. Uh, we know that they usually have sort of deeply uh, embedded practices in their cultures and stuff from from the examples we've even looked at. Sort of, you have the uh, the Dunmer of Elder Scrolls with their with their Daedra worship and their ancestor worship. You have the the Bosmer also of Elder Scrolls who sort of made this pact with a god a long time ago in their history that affects uh, every every single one of them to this very day. And so, sort of tapping into that the spirituality of them, you can find some pretty interesting things. Uh, one interesting example of, of elves uh, recently uh, in the the the, uh, the game series uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. That game came out recently, and uh, I thought they did a really cool job of sort of, of hook, latching onto this idea of elves as very spiritual people, uh, very rich culture. So in Divinity, um, elves are cannibalistic, and that, that sort of, right off the bat, that sort of caught my eye. I said, oh, that, that's, that's a cool idea. It's been done before, but the interesting part about Divinity is that uh, they're not cannibals, like, by choice. Um, but if an elf consumes the flesh of another being, they actually gain their memories, and so it's a very it's a very personal thing for an elf to do this, and so they always get people's permission. But elves can help solve murders this way. Elves can sort of access their ancestral past. Um, there's a lot of different things that this opens up, a lot of cool ideas. It makes you ask questions about their culture. How does elf society work? Uh, are there private investigators that go around eating people's fingers? I don't know. It's, it makes me think of a lot of things, and it's like, can you just like eat the flesh of your neighbor to find out? what they were doing, like what they ate three days ago. I don't know. And because it makes you ask questions, that probably mean it's, means it's a good thing. Um, another interesting thing about the elves in Divinity uh, is that they're sort of able to uh, be reincarnated, which is another cool uh, thing that we see in a lot of uh, even cultures on Earth they, that believe in reincarnation. Elves in Divinity, when they die, they can become uh, part of the, like, basically... Uh, like a sort of like a like a collective consciousness uh, for for uh, an entity they call the mother tree. So basically, when you're playing this game, you, you sort of while you're traveling around and you come across a lumber mill, uh, you see that you can interact with one of the logs, and it's actually the spirit of an elf that's passed on uh, and become uh, like a tree basically. And they were cut down, and they sort of ask you to to, to avenge them by getting the person who who cut down and, and mutilated their forest basically. So the idea that elves are long, not only are they long-lived, but their lives continue in other forms after they die. Uh, so that th those are two uh, pretty interesting examples of sort of how you can tap into the spirituality of elves. And if we're going to talk about trees and elves at the same time, uh, we might as well mention the Silvari from Guild Wars 2, uh, which at their core are basically a, re a highly reflavored elf uh, race. They're basically tree people. They are born from a tree. They grow from a tree. Uh, they're a very young race. I think at the time of Guild Wars 2, they they've only been around for for 25 years or so. Uh, they're they're very they're a highly uh, spiritual and, and interconnected people. They they're they're sort of born um, from this hive mind that they call the dream uh, that it, that they sort of experience life through before they're even born. So that there's another uh, interesting take on the spirituality of them, uh, and they're a sort of a very alien race with different emotional reactions to the world because they're plants basically. Uh, so I thought that that was a very cool uh, take on the the wood elf, like literally an elf made of wood. But uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, so back to the spiritual uh, aspect of elves. So I think it would be very interesting if there was a, a group of elves that had very elaborate sort of funeral rites. What if what if elves never buried their, their dead? Um, well, for one, there'd be much less dead because they don't die of old age, so that sort of narrows down the uh, the causes of death. But anyway... 
what if they have very elaborate funeral rites where um, the family members have to, have to say a specific prayer over the body before they're sort of interred in a tree? Or what if they're cremated? Um, what if they don't do anything with the bodies and they just let them sort of naturally decompose wherever they fall? Um, and it sort of brings up the uh, another uh, aspect of, of elven society is that they're so old and so ancient that their their customs and their culture must be so elaborate and difficult to understand for outsiders. Uh, I, in, in my mind, it would be so easy to offend an elf because sort of the intricacies and in, in their emotions. That, number one, like we've mentioned before, they're hard to understand. They're hard to read, so it might be hard to tell when an elf is upset with you when they're feeling down uh, and, th and things like that. Um, and so it would be so easy to offend an elf just by sort of like tilting your head to the left uh, slightly too much and they would think oh this this uncultured this uncultured human what's wrong with them they don't understand they're so unrefined because they live so much longer than everyone else they've had so much time to practice these things and to become so intricate in their sort of communication even so communication is another huge part of elf culture that that could be focused on uh, maybe elves are maybe elves are telepaths maybe words are not even words are too dirty for their mouth they don't even need words anymore they've they've mastered basically just living they, they they have such an intricate understanding of of the universe that they don't really need to speak there they just send thoughts to each other uh and what would that feel like if an elf sort of like alien consciousness intruded on yours um all interesting questions to ask about elves um and i think these are all valid uh, things that you could put in an elf uh, in any story really uh and yeah and, and another key uh the feature of sort of elven kind that, that i think would be interesting to focus on uh, is this idea that they're they're chaotic that um, they might even be malevolent in in whatever world that, uh, it is that you're trying to design or think of, um, like we mentioned before, they seem to be beyond the bounds of law and society um, in most of their incarnations in different uh, medium media. But what's to stop them from from going past that? If if law and sort of order don't necessarily come as very if those things are not very important to elf society, then what's to stop them from being selfish? What's to stop them from being destructive and chaotic? Uh, who says elves even live uh, in, like, civilized cities? Who says they have cities? Maybe they live in sort of localized tribes, or maybe they live, like, almost completely solitary, uh, like a lot of animals do uh, in our own world. And maybe elves are prone to war. Maybe they're bored. They're, they live so long that they just, they just sort of they just sort of poke at things until they respond, uh, sort of like prodding and, 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 and bothering the other civilized races that live around them. That might be a very interesting way to, uh, to get conflict into the world uh, through elves. And I think that that might, be, uh, that, that, might be, that might be an interesting take on them. Because, you know, usually you have the other races, sort of like the, the warmongering races are usually less, uh, less intelligent. But sort of these hyper-intelligent and just almost malevolent elves would be, uh, would be, would be, would be terrifying, honestly. And so, uh, thinking about things like that, um, that's sort of where I wanted to take the uh, the novel that I, that I've been writing for the past little while that I that I attempted to finish for uh, Nanorimo uh, 2017. Uh, so a little bit of background on that world. Uh, so the name the name of the land is is Verantha, uh, and this is a world where uh, it's full of uh, outsiders, uh, races that have come from other places. The elves came from another place, as they are wont to do, uh, and. And uh, in, in this setting, the humans are also not uh, native to this this continent of Orantha. So, the reason for this is because I wanted to have interesting elf and human concepts that sort of didn't weren't necessarily unique just for the sake of being unique. I just wanted to have a different take on it so that it would it would help me be less uh, it would help me be more engaged in the setting, less less bored about it really. Uh, and so, 
the inspiration I took for this was that uh, in in natural ecosystems in on Earth, on planet Earth, the most boring planet ever. But anyways, it's the one we got. We'll deal with it. So in, in natural ecosystems on Earth, uh, when an invasive species, invasive being the key word here, uh, comes into an ecosystem, it wreaks it wreaks havoc. It it, it messes things up for the races that already the, the the species that all that already live there. And so, I always thought this idea of sort of like colonizers coming from different continents to a new land, and then they just sort of settle and everything's okay. I thought that that was sort of that was sort of dismissing what would actually happen, what is plausible. So the idea for Verantha is that. Uh, the races that called it home originally, the natives there, uh, were just completely taken aback by by these newcomers. The first newcomers being the elves, uh, and when they arrived, they they ripped they ripped it apart. They ripped the entire land apart, and they started wars with each other. They started wars with other people because they saw a new world that was ready and empty. And the elves are the elves are chaotic, and they wanted power. That once they discovered that this land was they had control over it just by speaking they could alter the natural world around them such as the nature of this land that was different from the land that they had come from and so once they found that oh wait i can control things let me find let me, let me get a little bit more of that and and just that that mentality sort of led them uh, down down a, a pretty dark path and and the natives of the land were basically uh, powerless against that so the elves in this world they're called the treldari is what i called them uh, and eventually what happened was their use of this power began to corrupt them. Uh, and so a splinter faction said, okay, we're done. We are taking a vow of silence. This, this, this magic control through words is dangerous and it's destructive. And so these elves, they left. They went off into the jungles and they took a vow of silence and they were not seen for a very long time. And they remained, they remained elves because of that decision. Meanwhile, the elves that continued to, on their destructive streak, they became known as the Vilar, which they, they, they grew sort of shriveled in form, their skin darkened, their 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 whole complexions grew grew fierce and sort of angry. Um, and they became the goblins, which is what people uh, colloquial call them in the world. So the Treldari and the Vilar are sort of the two sides of the same elf coin. Uh, and I sort of use that their their ability to to change uh, and also their ability to change things around them. I took both of those things, which we've talked about in other versions of elves today. Uh, and I sort of flipped that on its head a little bit, so that it was it was negative changes to the world around them, and very negative changes uh, to themselves. And again, so it was just this discovery uh, for language and control, uh, because elves are so intelligent, um, and they wanted to further their own causes. And because of this, they 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 were punished for it. And so, again, I think that that's sort of an interesting take on the sort of chaotic, angry, warmongering elves that that you don't really get uh, very often in other settings. And, uh, well, that's basically it, folks. Uh, so we'll do a brief brief, uh, brief recap here of what we talked about. Uh, we talked about uh, pixies and sort of where el the word elf began uh, before Tolkien came along and saved all of us from our ignorance. Um, so we talked about Tolkien's elves, the sort of, uh, sort of melancholy, uh, tragic story of the elves of Middle-earth. Uh, we talked about Dungeons and Dragons uh, and how it helped fleshed out the idea of changing elves and their ability to change and things like that. Uh, we talked about the Elder Scrolls Online, and it's many different versions of... Uh, not the Elder Scrolls Online, just the Elder Scrolls. Don't play the Elder Scrolls Online, but do play the other ones. Uh, we talked about the many different versions of Elves in those games. Uh, we talked about uh, Aragon. We talked about uh, the series, the Aragon series, which you should go read. Great. The Elves in there are really interesting. Also, there's dragons. Always fun. Uh, and we talked about... Uh, we talked about Divinity Original Sin uh, 2. 
uh, also a great game. And we talked about the super interesting uh, Silvari from Guild Wars 2. And then we talked about sort of unique concepts for elves. We talked about the sort of chaotic invader elves that are that are warmongering and angry. And not necessarily angry, but you know, they're, they're alien, they're invaders. They're an invasive species. Um, hashtag Planet Earth 2. Uh, and also we talked about the idea of the spiritual side of elves and how you can sort of tap into that to make them more refined uh, and make their culture a very important aspect of your storytelling. Uh, and so all in all, I think elves are, they're, they're an awesome race. Lots of people love them. Uh, and for good reason, I think that they're, they, they sort of, they sort of, they get people to be excited about that sort of difference. The, the fact that they're so different from humanity, I think really excites people. Uh, and I, and I think a lot of fantasy, uh, settings would be, uh, would be missing out if they didn't have elves, uh, but it's up to people like us to uh, to make elves interesting again. So uh, I think that's it. So uh, thank you all for listening to the uh, the pilot episode of the Writer's Sheath. I hope to catch you all in later weeks where we uh, continue uh, discussions about uh, everything fantasy. So uh, peace out, everybody. Thanks for listening.